What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. Hello and welcome back to the DTF Podcast. My name is Rob Dosser. I have John Fanta with me. I have Terrence Oglesby with me. It is currently Tuesday night, May 31st. Uh, you're going to be hearing this um, probably Wednesday morning, uh, June 1st. We are now all against the deadline for the NBA draft withdrawal. and We have plenty to talk about with that. I did some studying. I did some research. I have some facts for you, Fanta. I have some facts for you, T.O. We're going to dive into all of that here in a little bit. But before we do, first and foremost, Fanta, man, you got some big news. I don't know if you shared it with the pod listeners yet. Pod listeners, I'm an engaged man. Yes, someone signed on to life, not four years, life with me. Uh, Victoria and I are engaged. We got engaged earlier this month, just under two weeks ago, and she's still wearing that ring. We're wedding planning First wedding planning meeting was tonight. It's in the books right before this podcast. We are pumped. Somehow, they say that that ring burns a hole in your pocket. I don't know how guys hang on to a wedding ring, to excuse me, to an engagement ring for a year or for a year and a half mm-hmm. or for even six months or three months. I had that thing for 10 days. I had to get rid of it. She was, I, I, I'm, She told me this after the fact. I went out of town for work for a week. And she went looking around the house trying to spot <laughs> the bling. <laughs> Luckily, I gave the ring to her dad who hid it and kept it from her. There we go. Put it in his hands while I was out of town. I sure as heck wasn't bringing that thing on a plane. The point is, I do not know how you husbands that listen to us, it, for the guys who hung on to their ring for a year and a half or two years, how in the hell did you pull that off? Because I could not pull that off. And I'm a happily engaged man. Well, first of all, congratulations to you, Samantha. And second of all, second of all, it is a lifetime contract, but you could be placed on waivers in a hurry. (laughs) So like, (laughs) so like, just keep that in mind too. Like you can be placed on waivers in a hurry. So like, you got to still fulfill your end of the deal. It isn't just like sign a piece of paper, get paid your whole contract. Like Zion's about to have, like, you gotta, (laughs) you gotta hold on to your, like you gotta hold on for dear life because you will be placed uh, on waivers. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and this is ahead of you. This is ahead of you going to Serbia. Too. That's true. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to Serbia pretty soon. That'll be a lot of fun. That'll be a lot of fun. And that's if I can uh, make my th- way through the Midwest uh, without running into any Iowa fans, which would be good because we got to fly through. We got to fly through. We got to fly through joke. Chicago. Okay, so long story short, we've been doing these draft previews for those who are listening, and I blasted uh, Keegan Murray a little bit. Why? Because. I, looking back, I kind of got irritated with myself after I went back and watched it because I didn't explain <laughs> it adequately enough. So what I was saying was, I said the words underwhelming athlete. Guys, he's a great athlete compared to most Iowans. I'm not taking away from the fact that he is the best Iowan athlete since Harrison Barnes. 
But guys, let's let's keep this. Let's Did keep you it just in double down? I just doubled <laughs> down. At Iowa, like calm down. Stick to what you know. Wrestling, cauliflower ear, corn. Stick to those things. Okay, stick to what you know, Iowa. Basketball ain't it, apparently. Somebody said he was the best athlete to play in any game in the Big Ten all season. I'm like, have you seen Jaden Ivey? Let's get it together, <laughs> Hawkeye Nation. It's ridiculous. He's I'll a top. What, he's a top eight pick in the NBA draft. He's a very good player, Fanta. But here's what I was getting at: a lot of these guys are saying he's the best athlete ever. I was comparing his athleticism to the other top four. Okay, so whenever these these crazy Hawkeyes, these crazy Hawkeyes with nothing else to do because they live in Iowa, they they say that he's the best athlete on the planet. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to finish this because I've been thinking on it and thinking on it and thinking on it. He's a very good athlete in regular life. But when we're comparing athleticism at the NBA level, these are the top of the top of the top. These are the most athletic people on the planet when it comes to him being an athlete he's a very good athlete when it comes to him being an nba athlete he's a very normal person that's Uh what i was getting at he can't create space on his own these people ripped me i'm mad at myself because i used the wrong word in saying underwhelming athlete i should have put it in perspective because context matters so much and i did a poor job of explaining those things but iowa stick to what you know stick to what you know (laughs) T.O., my favorite part of that entire argument, that entire battle that you had with Iowa fans is they were like, have you ever seen someone be the player of the year in a conference like the Big Ten and not be a good athlete? And I was like, yeah, his name is Luca Garza. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. <laughs> like, come on, man. And a lot of, and, and look, and a, lot of, a lot of the NBA players in the Big Ten, like not great at like like Draymond Green, is he a great athlete? No. He's a great, oh. he's a great NBA player, not a great athlete, but that's the only, but Fanta, this is the only negative thing I said. I said he wouldn't be able to create on his own. That, that, I, I, I want to, I want to put this into context for you. I want to put this okay. into context for you because your entire point, if you watch the whole video, I'll link it yep. in the description. So you IO fans can go find it. If you watch the whole video, if you listen to every single thing that you said in that full 12 minute long video, your point was Keegan Murray is going to be a good NBA player. Keegan Murray is going to play a long time in the NBA. He's going to make nine figures in the NBA. He's (laughs) going to spend five, eight, 10 years averaging 12 to 15 points, which is an incredibly difficult thing to do. He is going to be one of the, what, 100 best in the world at his craft, and that's probably the low end. Your point was, I don't think that he belongs in the same conversation as the top four guys in this draft because he doesn't have that same kind of MVP caliber ceiling like those other five guys do. That was T.O.'s point. Where did he just was did an Iowan just did an Iowan just knock on his door? That's did what we call the I, that that's what we call the Please. Iowan goodbye right there. The hey, Iowan goodbye. Let me tell you, <laughs> hey, sorry. Let me start this pod with a twist then, since we're talking a lot of draft. The four guys who people out there might be sitting here and saying are the top four, the clear four guys. The more I watch him, the more I read, the more I look. I did research over the last couple hours. You're telling me, you're telling me that if you're one of those four teams, you don't think about it late at night, that guess what? I am buying the hype of Shaden Sharp. That just because the sample size is different doesn't mean I'm not thinking about it. I know you guys have talked about this in your previews. 
But the more you look at Shaden Sharp, the more I say, could be worth that pick that high, could be worth it because he could be a, a franchise player. I would not take him over Jabari Smith because I have the more I watch Jabari tape, the more I think about it, the more I talk to people around the NBA. I think Jabari's shooting ability, his, his toughness, and the potential for him to be a small ball five at the next level, if he can get there, makes him be the kind of guy that I think can win you a series. I think he can. I be, agree with you. I, I I think that that there is very real potential for him to be like Paul George. And Paul George, for a while, was a top-five player in the NBA. And I think that's what Jabari Smith can get to. Yes. Um, I would be open to hearing arguments for Shaden Smith over uh, – sorry, Shaden Sharp over Paolo, over Chet, and over Jaden Ivey. What about I would Keegan pop- Murray? Would you pick him over Keegan? Yeah, I, I, uh, it depends on who's drafted. Because it depends if on team- where, where we are. Yeah, if you're if we're if we're talking like okay, look, we need a piece to be able to fit into the we got we got all these guys and it's kind of working, but we need some floor space and we need a piece. Like, I think you can make the argument for Keegan Murray over Shaden Sharp. All that is to say, I think that there's a lot of really good players at the top of this draft. But to me, what's so fascinating about this draft is it's the first time in like forever that there is no kind of obvious number one pick. Right. Here's a, here's a thing that's mind blowing to me. To me, like it's a no brainer who the number one pick is going to be, or it should be. Like Paolo Bancaro is so much more NBA ready. He is such a better mm-hmm. scorer all around than the other two candidates, and even Jaden Ivey, who I'll throw into the mix just for the heck of it. But he's six ten really? two sixty. He's six ten two sixty. Fanta, you saw him in person. This dude is enormous. What? He's got great short, like s- small area quickness. He's going to I'm more of the belief that Jabari Smith turns out to be a better scorer in the NBA than Paolo Bancaro. Like I, I'm more in the Smith as a scorer than I am a Bancaro as a scorer. I'm still concerned about Paolo Bancaro's perimeter game. Yeah, so I'm, I'm with both of you guys. I think the point okay. that you made we, we took we took contradicting statements there. How could you be with both of us? <laughs> because I think you're both you're both right. I think Jabari oh. Smith is going to end up being the better scorer long term. I think Paolo is the most NBA ready. I have very real concerns about the fact that Paolo shot what was it thirty one percent from three this past season. He's he's not Paolo's a he's not a great man. shooter. Jabari, Jabari is a great shooter, right? Um, I have concerns about the fact that Paolo is not. We see all these comparisons to Chris Webber. You made this point, To I think it was a brilliant point. Chris Webber was a basketball genius and one of the best passers we've ever seen out of the big man. Paolo's not that. Paolo right? shot thirty four percent from three. Thirty four percent from three. Okay, but it's not. He's not. Jabari Smith. Funny that the ringer compared Paolo to Seaweb. They did. Just yeah, a lot. A lot here, of people made that here, Yeah, like I, I, don't I don't like that one. Seaweb was such a savant passing the ball. Like that was the whole thing. If you ever watch Chris Weber play with the Kings on that show before Mike Bibby got there and ruined that freaking. Like he, Mike Bibby's a fine player, but like when they left, lost Jason Williams and they traded him directly for Mike Bibby and the Grizzlies. I have never been so hurt in my entire life as when that happened in 2002, I believe, 2001 or 2002. One of the worst days of my life was when Jason Williams was traded away from the Kings, but I digress. Chris <laughs> Weber. Theo, how many times did you try to do the elbow pass when you were going? I, I, I did it all the time. I did the fake behind. I had a fake behind the back to a dunk. I'll put that on uh, Twitter. Here you soon. couldn't have done that in a game. You didn't pass. It was in a game. Back. It was in a Swedish game. It was in a Swedish league. It was in a pro league. <laughs> wasn't it was in an a ACC game. game. No, I wouldn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> but, but no, it, it, Chris Weber was a great passer. Paolo Bencaro is fine. I, I think his comparison, you need to kind of 
take his comparison with the evolution of basketball. These guys are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And the guy that I see, and I've, I said this to Goodman, and he almost fell out of his chair. But I oh, think God. he's like I think he's like Paul Pierce. Look where he operates from. He's best about fifteen to seventeen feet out. That jump shot is good. It looks good. It's a little slow. It's got a small hitch in it. He's got good small area quickness. Paul Pierce was a very good athlete. When you saw him in person, he was deceptive with his athleticism. Paulo Bancaro is that plus four inches. Now, oh. is, he, is he the dog that Paul Pierce is? No. But go oh. back and watch the film of Paul Pierce, where he scored, how he scored, how he attacked the defense, how he read feet. A lot of those things are very similar between the two. Now, you, you know obviously what's, you know what's weird about this? You know, you know what's weird about Paolo? I'm curious your take on this, T.O., and you yeah. too, Fanta. Um, I feel like Paolo has kind of become the modern-day tweener because, to me, he is like a through-and-through four-man, right? Yeah. He's a through-and-through power forward, and power forwards don't exist in the modern NBA. So he's like Let what a tweener is right now. Like, is he switchable? Can you play him at the three? Can you go- have him guard twos? Is he big enough to guard fives? If you put him on Nikola Jokic or Joel Embiid or some, one of these other or, – or Giannis, is he going to be able to defend them? Can he be a rim protector? Can he shoot it from beyond the arc? He's like – He's like he's he's kind of like a Carl Malone, right? A Carl Malone would not work in modern basketball. That is my biggest concern with him. He, he, he you know hit what it is for threes, but he was inconsistent from there at times and a little bit passive from there at times in key areas of games. But he was, a, I mean, he was a, he was a 53, 34, uh, 73 guy. Like that'll get better. He was just a, he was was he eighteen years old? Six, you know what 10, he is two fifty five. He is a reflection, and this is not who he is. So, for the record, I'm not because you guys, somebody would take this, like somebody from Iowa would take this the wrong way. So, growing up, who did he watch? Who did he watch? He watched the king. He, mm-hmm. he grows up, he watches LeBron James. So, in his mind, his game has to be molded around the best of the best. And, and for me, guys, I don't know if his whole package, I think it translates in the immediate term. But when we're talking about 15-year pro that's doing it at this level, if you're going to be that type of player, you have to be the end-all, be-all, able to score in a variety of ways, do it over a long period of time. Like, and that's what they're drafting on. So when you sit there and say he's the best, he's the best, I think Paolo Bancaro's the guy who has the best chance to impact the team immediately. But I think Jabari Smith has the best chance to both do it immediately on a level and level up as his career goes longer. The one I can't figure out is Chet. I can't figure it out because I love that he embraces physicality. But just because you love to embrace it throughout your entire basketball life, like you say with Keegan Murray, that the NBA athlete is different. Chet Holmgren, the NBA athlete is different. And I'm not convinced you can handle that game in and game out. And there's some people who might scoff at me for saying that. But I still have that concern. But for me, Paolo Bancaro is someone who I think is going to make a living for a long time in the NBA. I'm not calling him a bust at all. But these are executives making decisions here that are based th- – their jobs – hinge on this i yeah, think can, jabari's can we, going can we one frame 
can we frame this conversation before anyone like clips this stuff out and gets mad at us? We're framing this conversation in the fact that we think all of these guys are at worst a top four pick in the draft, right? I think I would probably take Paolo number two. I might be able to get convinced to take Jaden Ivey over him, but I'm probably taking him with the second pick in the draft. I think he's very, very good. When it comes down to picking between these three guys, you have to start picking nits like this, right? right? You have to start breaking down what they don't do great. That's why we're having this conversation. I think I, I feel very confident saying that all three of us really, 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 really like and think that Chet, Jabari, Paolo, and Jaden Ivey, and Keegan Murray, for that matter, are all going to be very good NBA players. It's about figuring out where you want to be very good NBA players and get multiple contracts and make nine figures worth of money. Yes, they're going to make a ton of money. And for the record, if Bancaro falls to Houston at three, which I think he will, because I think Jabari Smith is made for the magic, fits their organization, the pick fits. I think the Thunder organizationally like to take shots and could take the shot on Chet. And then I think the Rockets at three. Like, if you're the Rockets and you've got Jalen Green and you're sitting there and Paolo Vancaro is on the board, you might as well be picking one if you're Houston. If I'm a Rockets fan right now, I'm sitting there saying, yeah, Jabari and Chet are the best two. Because if you're sitting there at three, according to – and T.O., this is where I'm with you. Like, imagine if Paolo Vancaro, who could turn out to be the very best, and that's what makes this draft so fun that he could be a Houston Rocket with Jalen Green, who has only scratched the surface. Like, if he falls to three, that for him is a big fall for the kind of talent he could be. Could he be – could Paolo Bancaro be a generational talent in the NBA? I will say this. I will say this, Fanta. In 2017, there was a long conversation about who would you take number one, Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, or Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum, the guy from Duke that shot 34% from three as a freshman at Duke, fell to number three, and look at what he's doing right now. I think you can make the argument if you were going to pick one person for the next five years in the NBA, where does Jason Tatum fall on that list? Pretty high up, right? So keep that keep that <laughs> over mind. the other keep two conversation in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting how some of these things kind of go, and it doesn't always end up being the number one pick ends up being the best player. Um in the draft. T.O., you got any closing thoughts? You're the one to open this up with your with your Keegan rant. You want to wrap this up for us? Keegan Murray's a very good player, and he's a good <laughs> athlete. Jay, and don't be surprised if Jaden Ivey jumps up above uh, Chet. Yeah. Let me tell you something. The guy that I would take, I'm going bold here, okay? I think that Benedict, Ma- I think Benedict Matherin could end up panning out better than any of the four guys we keep talking about. I'm serious. I think he's a guy that's going to get picked in the top eight or nine. He should, if he falls beyond that, I think it's a crime. When I watch him on film, I am so impressed with the motor. He has all the things we look for in a prospect. There are some things that you look at and take out. And when we nitpick, we say, here's what we don't like. But guys, nobody's going to play harder than that kid. Nobody. He plays so hard. And he made, and he plays strong. He is ready for the NBA and the physicality level, in my opinion. My only concern is whether or not he has the individual ability to go get it on on his own. Like, can he be the guy on a team? 
Because if you're if you're drafting in today's, in, a, in today's game, like he, he can be set up a little bit easier because of all the flow that they run mm-hmm. in the NBA. Like he can come off handoffs flying and using that athleticism. Like that's I would what, love that, him with Tommy Cade. did for it, huh? I would love him with Cade Cunningham in Detroit. I'm not mad at that. I wouldn't that's be mad where at that I would, at all. Because it, it's also set up. None of us are going to deny you got to be in the right organizational setup. There's some organizations that are cesspools. And, mm-hmm. and <coughs> Sacramento. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, they, they, they were cursed whenever they traded away Jason Williams, as I said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, there's no question. There are some organizations that are just flat out bad. If, if Matherin gets taken by the right organization, and can, he's a great cutter. He's developed his shooting game. He defends. If he's set up with the right player, which, which look, that's half the NBA. So th- it that's, is. that's a big point that you just said right there. If he's set up with the right player, that's the difference between him and what you would consider the top four picks. Because those top four picks, they are going to be that need player. the right player. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the, that, that, that's the big, that's the differentiator. You're betting on what, that. What Matherin is. Yeah, exactly right. So, so the, if I'm a GM, that's what I'm betting on. If I'm looking at a top four or five pick, I'm looking for an all-star, the guy who's going to be that player. Right. My, my comparison, I don't know if you guys saw this, but I, he reminds me a lot of Jason Richardson. Used to play for the Warriors, yeah, played at Michigan State, like, same like that type comparison. body, big, big, strong body. He's a better shooter, better shooter, much better shooter than Jason, Jason Richardson was. But, it, but at the same time, Jason Richardson played alongside some really good players. And because of his cutting ability, he developed into a better shooter later in his career. Because of his athleticism, he was able to utilize that because the NBA game goes a little bit faster. I Defense. thought that was somebody that you could that you could compare him to, at least from a body profile. Yep. The, the the name that I was kind of thinking was someone like a Terrence Ross, a player like that, big time athlete, going to make some jump shots, um, going to be a, like going to be a good role player and a good piece. And I think that there's a chance if he figures it out and if he's able to do his own kind of stuff off the bounce and he's able to get that pull-up game kind of perfected a little bit, then I think there's a chance that he could end up being better than that. I like him. I I, I really like him. One other thought, and we cover the college game throughout the year, but uh, we have people who are going to be watching this draft and on draft night, they might see the name pop up and they might not know as much about him because the casual fans just not. But I can tell you right now, guys, back in December, I was able to spend three days with G League Ignite because I did a couple of games in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And we sat down with all the players. And the NBA has you has the commentators really take some time with the players, not only for us to grab some stories, but so that they can simulate some of the players, some of these kids, 18, 19 years old, getting interviewed by people and just how they interact. I will tell you right now, the six foot seven guard, the 19-year-old Dyson Daniels. Mm-hmm. impressed me beyond his years. I didn't even, by the end of the conversation, I would have thought I was talking with one of you because he was so mature. He was unselfish with his teammates in practice, which this is Ignite. This, frankly, it's a program to try to be able to get his draft as high as you can. He got it. He, he treated it like a professional. So Dyson Daniels, if your team picks him on draft night, he is Fanta approved because I think he's going to end up 9, 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there. I think he's in that range. I love his versatility. I think he makes plays for others. I think his shot is a little bit wonky. I think it's going to come along, and I think he defends, and he's willing to defend, which those Ignite players, some of them were just, frankly, unwilling to defend. Dyson Daniels is a guy on draft night that if he gets picked by your team around 12 or 13, 
I consider him to be a guy that will be a little raw at 19, but could prove to be a really solid pro. So that's the Australian kid, right? Yes, I am. He's from Australia. Super impressed with him. Yeah. So I I, want to talk about draft night a little bit because I I went through and and I was getting roasted for this a little bit in in some of the group chats that we're in, but uh, I went through and I I did a study on um, all of the second round picks over the course of the last 10 years. I'm sitting here, I'm standing at a spreadsheet. I have every single second round pick and what their initial contract was coming out of the draft and what they got their first, uh, their first year um, in the professional ranks. Uh, And so the first thing that I want to mention, because I don't think people realize this, and I didn't realize this until I started diving into this. And I don't even know if you guys realize this. When two-way contracts were first set up, the way that it was basically structured was you got 75K, around 75, 80K by the time, like in the first couple of years. Mm-hmm. And you got bonuses for every day that you were on the NBA roster, right? And they set limits. Yeah. Like if you, if you spent more than 45 days on the NBA roster, you had to get the league minimum salary and all these other kinds of things. They've changed that. If you get a two-way deal now, you're getting the you're getting half of the league minimum, right? Right now that ends up being four hundred and sixty thousand dollars. The league minimum this past season was nine hundred twenty five k, give give or take a couple dollars here or there, and you can play up to fifty games on an NBA roster, right? And once you get to that level, then you have to end up getting the league minimum, um, and you you end up getting paid a little bit more. But essentially, it's four hundred sixty thousand dollars is what you get now if you get a two way. Now that money is not guaranteed, but as one front office guy said to me, if you have a good agent, you will get the full value. And most of these guys, if they're getting picked in the second round, have pretty good agents and they know what they're doing. So when we're talking about these second round picks, I want you to keep in mind, if you get a two-way deal right now coming out of this draft, you're probably getting somewhere close to a guaranteed 500K. It'll be like 480, 490 this year after the uh, the league minimum. That's the first thing that I wanted to mention. The second thing that I wanted to mention um, is that I don't think people realize how deep in the draft, like you get those two-way deals, right? So Last se- the, the last four years, right? I, I ran the numbers. Last four years, 57 players got at least one guaranteed year of the league minimum salary, at least one year of that. And that was the minimum, right? 38 of those 57 got at least two years guaranteed, right? Out of the last four drafts. Um, another 34 got two-way contracts, which means 91% of the college players drafted in the second round over the course of the last four seasons, got either at least one guaranteed season um, of at league minimum salary or a two-way contract, which would equal about four hundred and sixty or four hundred seventy thousand dollars. Ninety-one percent of them in the last four years, right? Wow. And that number is going up. Two, in two thousand seventeen, there were five two ways. In two thousand eighteen, college college players drafted in the second round got five two ways. In two thousand seventeen and two thousand eighteen, the last three years there have been 29 two-way contracts given out to college players that have been drafted in the second round. Six guys got G League deals, right? That accounts for now 97 of the 100 college players drafted in the second round. Only three guys ended up not getting a deal that was to the G League, which I believe is now six figures if you're on a G League contract, right? A two-way or a guaranteed contract at the league minimum salary. One of those guys was Philip Petrashev, who played at Gonzaga, ended up going and playing in Serbia for a year, then was drafted, and then went back to Serbia. He's Serbian. Um, one was Justinian Jessup, who's from Colorado, who got a deal to go play in Australia, and the other was Tony Carr, who has a contract now to go play in Europe. And I'm sorry, there was one more. It was uh, it was Balsa Koprovica from Florida State. Again, 
Serbian, went to go play his professional basketball in Serbia. I think that's part of the reason why he was picked where he was picked. All that is to say, you are getting really good money if you are drafted in the second round. So I want to keep that kind of context in mind when we have conversations about guys like Jalen Williams. Oh, one more, one more fact for you. The last two years, if you were picked in the top 50 of the draft and you were a college basketball player, 69% of them, 22 out of the 32 college players that were picked in the top 50 got at least one year of guaranteed money at the league minimum. 19 of the 32 that were picked, 59% got at least two years of guaranteed money. And there was only one top 50 pick that was a college player that was drafted that did not get a two-way or a year of guaranteed money and went straight to the G League. Do you guys know who that was? It was last season. Top 50 pick. It was, it was the last draft. He was picked 49th by the Nets. He was Creighton points guard. Marcus Zagorowski. Zegar, Marcus Zagorowski was picked 49th in 2021. Yes. He was yes. the only guy picked in the top 50 in the last two years that came out of college that did not get a guaranteed deal or a two-way contract. So the, the, all of that information. And, we're, we're, now, and by the way, league minimum again is nine, four- 900. It's basically a million dollars. Right. It's it's 900 the league the league minimum for a rookie is 900 and they haven't come out with the official numbers yet but it's it's mid 900s, right? Which means that a two-way contract is going to be upper 400s. Upper 400s. Yeah, upper four- Right. So it, you're saying there's something to still be said about getting drafted. That when we you, talk about the the when we talk about the balance between coming back to college and NIL versus getting drafted, if you can get drafted, you get drafted. Yeah, if you get draft, if you could be a top fifty pick, then you're almost guaranteed to have a contract that's going to pay you uh, nearly five hundred thousand dollars. But what about a lot of money? Let me ask you this question: What about life of? And hold on, let me let me just plug this real quick. We are relaunching the Field of Sixty Eight newsletter. We're we're expanding it. We're going all in on it. We brought on the guy that hired me when I was at NBC. His name is Mike Miller. He's going to be running all of the the Field of Sixty Eight newsletter content and all of this information and all of the study is going to be rolled out over the course of the next three weeks in that newsletter. Make sure you subscribe. I'm going to have the link in the description of this podcast if you're listening on the audio feed, or it's going to be in this description of the YouTube. Um, the YouTube channel, uh, the YouTube description. If you, if you're watching on YouTube right now, so make sure you go and you sign up for that because that newsletter is going to be where you get all of your information for college basketball. Sorry, Fanta. I had to plug that. No, no, I'm, I'm just saying, what about the kid who could best be served by coming back to school and then getting the league minimum that you speak of? Because some of these guys who could have gone that direction and elected to go straight to the league, they actually could could hurt themselves in that capacity too, could they not? Yeah, they they could. There's always a risk, right? Like the the Jalen Williams is the guy I really wanted to talk about with talk about this with is because he's the, the kid from Arkansas, right? He would have been an All American this season. He would have been playing on an Arkansas team that has a chance to win a very real chance to win a national title i think that you can make a pretty coherent argument with jalen williams that arkansas is at minimum what like a top three top five team in college basketball this year arkansas ran out of salary cap space well yeah what what i'm saying if if he comes back but if he comes back well part of the issue is my understanding is he the agent that he's with may or may not be NCAA certified, which could be problematic in terms of him coming back. I don't know if that gotcha. was something that he that's made that very decision. problematic. That yeah. is problematic. But 
the, the, the long story is, or the short story is, he's the perfect example here because if he comes back to Arkansas, I think you could be looking at a situation where he matches what he could have made this year in two-way money, assuming he would have been a top 50 pick when, in NIL stuff. And if he comes back and he adds the jump shot, and he sheds a little bit of weight, and he proves he's a little bit more switchable, then all of a sudden you're looking at a guy that I think has a real chance to be a first-round pick. So there is an added bonus and upside to coming back to school now because you can offset it and make it not be a monetary deal, make it not be a monetary issue. Does that make sense? That, yeah, it that's does. Why- Let me ask you this, because I, I'm sitting here watching this kid play, and I love the way he plays. And in a league that's filled to the brim with athletes, like he's just such a nice little counter and he manages his lack of athleticism with his ability to stay in front and take charges. And as we've seen in these playoffs, like that is wildly effective, taking the charge and getting to spots early and being a great help defender because nobody in the NBA can guard one-on-one. I love like how the scouting reports, like for some of these guys are like, well, can he, can he stay in front of really quick guards? Or But this is something you would hear. It's something I would hear. Can you stay in front of really quick guards? And can you guard somebody like a Russell Westbrook or Derrick Rose? No. Like, guys, no nobody can. can guard these guys. Nobody can guard <laughs> these guys. Like, you have to be a very good help defender, which is why Hummel got to play in the NBA for quite a few years, like, because he was a good help defender. But, uh, no, I, I, I'm We don't compliment Rob I kind of watch podcast. him play, and he's a good passer. He just knows how to play. He can play around guys. Like, he obviously would have to find the right system. But what, what do you think doesn't translate for him? The the issue to me, it's it's kind of he can't shoot the three. Yeah, he shot twenty four percent from three this season as a freshman. He shot thirty four percent from three. Well, neither can neither can Draymond Green. But here's the thing about but he's he's not he's not type of talent. He's He's not not ready for the NBA. He's not ready for the NBA. It would best serve him to come back to Arkansas because if he comes back to Arkansas, it would be the most anticipated Arkansas basketball season. In three decades, you come back. You don't have to have the pressure of being the man for your team. You could be that in some instances, but Arkansas has got a bunch of talent. They've had as good of an offseason as anybody in the sport of college basketball. Jalen Williams should come back to college, make his dollars in college, and then get the minimum that Rob's talking about at the very least. He's one of those guys. Sometimes yeah, my, take my a, concern, take a, Mike. Well, all I was going to say is my concern is I just don't – I don't think that he – if I was one of the guys drafting, I don't think that I would take him and pay him that kind of guaranteed money. A couple of the front office people that, that I spoke to doing this research, they, they basically said, I think that there's going to be a team that will basically say, okay, we're going to give you a two-way. Whether that means he gets drafted, whether that means he goes undrafted and signs with one of those teams, his expectation was that he's probably going to end up getting a two-way deal. So – I guess my view of him and the NBA's view of him differs a little bit. It seems like NBA guys seem to lean more towards you, T.O. And and here's my thing. I think that there is potential there for him to be an NBA player down the road. I think in like shed a little weight, become a little bit more switchable, be someone that can guard a little bit more on the perimeter, improve that jump shot to the point where teams have to guard you. Right now, they don't have to guard you. His passing, his decision-making, his basketball IQ, all of that stuff is there. It's the, the stuff that beyond just the basketball. Like you, you mentioned Draymond Green. Draymond Green is uber switchable. He's also a rim protector and someone that can block shots. He's also one of the best passers that you're ever going to find out of a big guy. One of the best decision makers. One of the highest IQ defenders on planet Earth, right? So I don't think Jalen... I, 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 but but I would throw Jalen Williams when it comes to defensive, defensive IQ. I would throw him up there. He's a great defender. 
He's a great yeah. defender. But if you can't affect the game from the perimeter, you're going to be in for a long night. Well, my, my argument falls apart. So my, the, the biggest reason I thought that he should come back was that he could make more money through NIL at Arkansas on a team where that fan base, which is insane and, and crazy and guys. passionate and has money to spend, right? Where they would shout out Tyson Chicken. Sorry. Shout out, uh-huh. shout, out, shout out Clint Sterner. Oh, where, yeah. Um, and they're already juiced for next season. <laughs> Imagine yeah, if fired up, man. If Jalen Williams had elected to come back. Yeah. No, if Jalen Williams likes to come back, they might be the number one team in the country. And then everybody's getting paid. That whole team's getting paid. And who's on the front cover of the media guy? Who's on commercials locally? Who's on everything when you refer to Arkansas? Jalen Williams. They're still going to be a really good team. And look, Jalen's got to do what's best for him. But your argument to me gets defeated because you can have the best of both worlds. Some yes. guys can come back to college, get better. Not everybody's Wendell Moore Jr. Wendell had to take some criticism and feedback. He stayed the course at Duke. He could have lied to himself and said, I'm ready for it. Uh, but guess what? He came back to Duke and he got better as a player. And now he's, I think he's an underrated NBA draft prospect. Where's he, where's he projected? Where's he projected? Five. Late, late first, early second. There's, late, there's like, yeah. there's like 25 guys that are projected to go in like that 25 to 40 range. If you're Jaylen drafting, Williams might not even draft, get drafted in the top 35. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of really good like roles. There's a lot of value and skill in some of these playoff teams. Just keep that yeah. in mind. Like you got to swing for the fences early in the draft, but when you get later, that's mm-hmm. when the is pop off. That's when some of these high high level skilled guys that aren't quite as athletic. That's where they get drafted. Like some of these undersized foremen that can play roles. Trevor Booker, like like the back end of the first. Like that's where skill is really valued. To that's why back you go. T.O., that's mm-hmm. why a Dalen Terry says I'm going to the draft because, yep. because somebody might be more prone to bet on a guy like that, that they know what he's going to come in and do for them. You, you, I'm sorry, but it's not a bad thing. When I hear someone say, oh, he's a role player in the NBA. It's a good thing. Yeah. Championship teams have role players. That's a good thing. If you know who you are and know what you can do, that's a good thing in the league. If we don't know what you can do, I'm sorry, but go ahead over to McDonald's and fill out an application. We'll put you on a fryer. <laughs> Fun fact, I used to work the fryer at a friendlies. That was my first job when I was 17 years old. Did you wear the was, hat? The, no, they, they, the they, hat. They, made me, they made me wear a hairnet, bro. I had to wear a hairnet, and I cooked at a friendlies. I was the fryer. We need, uh, we so, T.O., I'd pay 100 bucks for a photo. Wouldn't <laughs> no, you, Terrence? No. Yeah. The, the worst part, the, there's definitely no photos that exist. This was the, this Damn was before it. Facebook. This was literally 20 years ago, 21 years ago now. But it was, uh, yeah, it was. I did it for one summer, and that summer I put on like 20 pounds because all I did was eat ice cream and yeah. home chicken, like buffalo chicken fingers. You were the for dinner. <laughs> so then I was like, I'm, I'm not doing this again because I just got fat as hell. So the next summer I came home from college and I worked construction. I was like, this is fucking worse, man. I got to go back to friendlies. At now, wait a minute. Ice cream. Did they have the window, you know, where somebody can yes. go up and order ice cream? Yes. Oh. See, I didn't do the ice cream, man. I did. I did the grill. I made the, I made the chicken fingers. I made the steak. Oh my Friend, God. It's I'm like, just assuming it's like a Burger King. Uh, I mean, no, I might no, walk no. out it's, with that question. Sit down. Sit down. <laughs> Come on. It's like, it's like if you took, if you took, it's like a dairy. Have you ever been to a Dairy Queen? Better though. It's like if you it's, took Applebee's like, and Dairy Queen. Well, yeah. What uh, I was going to say is if you took 
you took Dairy Queen and you took Applebee's and you kind yeah. of like made a made a restaurant baby just like that. That's that's kind of what and it you is. get free ice cream if, at the end of your meal. Yeah, it's a sit down. It's a sit down place where you order fast food, but they're known for their ice cream and they sell ice cream independently. So it's like a five guys. No, it's better. You sit no. down, you have How waiters. Dare you? First no, it's not better. It's not better. No, no, no. It's a sit down. You, you have servers. All, you have servers. It's not the best burgers on the planet are at five guys. <laughs> and I'm not even willing to debate with you. Terrence, there's a better burger. And it's when, not at friendlies. Okay. Five guys. All right. When you come up east, northeast next year for your big east two night caravan. <laughs> Like you did yeah. this past season, and we went to that wonderful deli, right in Connecticut. And we that was got the only thing pe- good about Connecticut. You tried, oh my god! You tried Frank Pepe's, and you went to Gamble. <laughs> you were up in the corner, uh, which was amazing. <laughs> the nosebleed, doctor. That was hysterical. Talk to her. You're breaking up, so yeah, yeah, you're breaking up. Can you fix your mic? Can you? You're over here, trash in Connecticut. Now. No, you're you're coming yeah, yeah. through your AirPods now. You're coming through your yeah, AirPods. Hold on, sorry. Yeah, unbelievable. Goodman did this that. Guy, on a, Goodman this did guy, that. On this an guy has. Star. This guy has the audacity. Is that, is that he has the, There yeah, you yeah, go. Yeah. He has the audacity to come on here and slander the state of Connecticut, and my man can't even make his microphone work. Get out of here, bro. I, I, I accidentally touched the button, so it switched to the button. So I don't want to hear this shit. You and your Goodman did that on, or after dark. I thought Rob was going to kill him. Rob, I honestly thought you were going to kill him. He's literally on his AirPods. You can't hear every every like fourth, fifth, and sixth word he says. You can't hear, and all you're seeing is like he was so fired up that night. The whole A block of the show, he's on his stupid AirPods. I was on that show. I was on that show. You were, you and I were on it. We're like, this is, but you couldn't stop him. Drove, drove because... me crazy because it's Goodman. You can't tell him anything. No, I hit the right. bu- I hit the button. I hit the button. But anyway, Five Guys delicious burger. I don't know what you're talking about. That's not sponsored, by the way. So we're going to bleep out five guys until they don't you dare bleep out five guys. <laughs> five guys kept me going in keto diet this month. Hey, true, true. Um, all right. So we talked a little bit about Jalen Williams, who was staying in the draft. I do want to mention some guys that are coming back. Uh, Hard turn. Trace, Trace Jackson Davis. Well, I'm trying to keep us all track. It's a very <laughs> difficult thing to do. <laughs> all right. Sorry. Trace Jackson Davis is coming back to Indiana. Matthew Meyer is coming back to school. He's transferring to Illinois. North Carolina got their top four guys back. Creighton got everybody back and added Baylor Shireman. TCU, low key, might be the biggest winner out of everybody in this coming back carousel. Um, and for the record, right now, as we're recording this, Drew Timmy, Trevor Keels, Marcus Sasser, David Roddy, Jules Bernard, Caleb Houston, Musa Diabate, Jalen Wilson, Kevin McCullough. Those guys have not yet made their decisions. That will happen before uh, June 1st deadline. So Justin keep that Lewis. in mind as we're, as we're having this conversation. Oh, yeah. Yo, Justin I love, love that well. kid. I think, I think he's – look, I don't want to tell people what to do, but I think that uh, he is a pro, and he probably needs to head on to the NBA and get one of his two-way deals and get his $460,000. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, how many of those guys come from Marquette, by the way? Like can all we just those talk big, about that? strong three fours. Tough like, mother. Marquette. Like, yeah. Tough motherfuckers. Yeah. Jimmy Butler's dude. Like, tough motherfucker. It's been a while. It's been a while. That that's a program that that has groomed pros, but I, their fan base right now would say, "We'll take an NCAA tournament win." <laughs> I mean, they haven't won a tournament game in in ten years. I think Indiana's. I feel their pain. I feel their pain. Fancy. I know you do. I know <laughs> I you feel do. their pain. T- to me, I was looking at teams today. Like as Mike Woodson heads into his second year, 
Indiana's a Big Ten title contender. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's talk about that. Trace is back. Huge. Oh, and you have, race, and you have race Thompson back for a sixth year. And he averaged 11 and 8 last year. Trace Jackson Davis is a unicorn of a college talent. He is. When he's on the floor, he just juts out. He runs the floor like a deer. Averaged 18 and 8 this past year. Defensively, he's a presence for his team. He plays so, so hard. And in terms of how you defend him, I think it's really difficult. In fact, I think he's as tough of an assignment in the Big Ten as there is. So for me, when you look at Indiana and you consider the fact they bring in a five-star guard, Jalen hood Shafino, plus Xavier Johnson, who comes back, he averaged over five assists per game this past year. It's not as if you have uh, hood Shafino coming in and he has to take everything on. No, no, they've got an established point guard that can make things happen for others. And who was the best defensive team, according to Ken Palm in the Big Ten last season? The Indiana Hoosiers. Mike Woodson has a club that could win a Big Ten championship. And look, I don't care how you do it, what way you do it. If he could do that in his second year, that would be silencing a whole hell of a lot of critics that poured on Indiana. There are high expectations in Bloomington. That's good for the health of college basketball. But TJD coming back means that Indiana can win the Big Ten. Yeah, they got that other five-star kid. I'm not going to try to say his name from Montverde. Malik. Uh, Renau. Malik Renau. Yeah, Malik Renau. Tamar Bates, former top 25 five-star guy coming back. Should be better. Look, I'll tell you this, T.O. Greg Waddell who does a lot of our social media stuff, big does the production guy. stuff for sleepers media guy, um, big, big 10 guy. He said to me the other day, he thinks Indiana should be a top 10 team with Trace Jackson back. And I was like, dude, what the, what the fuck are you talking? I'm about? not mad have at you, it. Been, I'm not mad at drinking. It. And I, like my, my initial reaction was Indiana top 10. Are you crazy? And then I went back and I looked, it's not that crazy. It's if they crazy. make shots, if no, Miller Cop is that's, making that's shots, that's the key. That's the key. are making shots. If those guys are making <laughs> shots, that's a good team. They got to right, make shots, Terrence. and 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 Miller Cop, he's got to make he's got to make shots this year at a higher rate. And then the, the guy that I really think could be that guy, I, he's he's had a year to get his feet under him there in Bloomington. I, I think Tamar Bates, I'm a fan, mm-hmm. big strong body. He's going to have to hit more shots this season. Obviously, he's he struggled from the field this year, but I think that freshman wall hit him pretty hard. Uh, he's got a lot of talent. He's got a smooth stroke. He's somebody who can knock down shots. I think this season. Uh, he could be, you know, your freshman to sophomore year, you're going to be able to see one of the biggest jumps in that league because of his talent level and because of Xavier Johnson. Every time you do that, Fanta, I think you're disagreeing with me. So it like throws me off for half a second. <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> Same thing. With, with like, yeah, like, mm. You hit me, you, you hit me with the Fox, <laughs> with the Fox news space. You hit me with Fox, excuse me, Fox, Fox sports, Fox sports. Let me correct myself. Fox sports. <laughs> that's, space. that's that's the Tucker Carlson. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, you made me think so you, you made me think like <laughs> I I think the Big Ten goes over goes through some roster turnover and we're and we're looking at Michigan right now and whether or not Houston and Diabate what their decisions are as we do this podcast we haven't heard those decisions but to me like it we could call it Indiana the front runner because we know what they've got mm-hmm. and frankly I don't think it's been a Great off season for the Big Ten thus far. Michigan State really has not done much, in my Illinois opinion. Had a, Illinois has done well. Illinois has done well, but they had major losses. They've done well. They're one of the winners. 
to me, one of the biggest questions is what version of Matthew Mayer is Illinois getting? Well, that's the thing. It's like there's hey before 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 a, we get to Illinois before before we do that, can we just say that it, it, I think Indiana's certainly a top three team in the Big Ten. Certainly, yeah, no, they, the they are. They I would, would pick them as favorite. I'd pick them. As I would, the yeah, favorite. yeah. I would I'd pick them as, the favorite. as favorite. As of right now, they're the favorites. And not only that, the only people they lost were their most inconsistent pieces: okay, Christian Lander, right. Rob Fennessy, Parker Stewart, Michael Durr. They were, they were the most inconsistent dudes they had on the team. All four of those guys are gone, and now you're bringing in some five star kids on the tail end of it. You get Tamar Bates, who's really, really good in my opinion. It's just it's taken him a while. Uh, I think they could very, very well win the Big Ten. Can, can we talk? We don't know what's going on in other else yeah. the league. Yeah, but can we talk about Tamar Bates for a second? My man wears number 53. I'm with him. He wears number 53. Like, on the one hand, like, what are you doing? But on the other hand, I kind of love it, right? Like, he's going completely off script. How do you not love a dude that's – who wears 50 – offensive linemen wear 53. You got to be a certain kind of Long snappers. To wear 53. Long snappers wear 53. Left guard, John Fanta. John Fanta, freshman team, Seton Hall Prep High School. I wore 64, and I went to St. Ignatius High School in Cleveland. St. Ignatius. I, and I, I was a, a terrible left guard. First, first of all, powerhouse. 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 powerhouse, yeah. And the coach told me after my second season, you're not made out for this football thing. Why don't you head up to the broadcast booth? There's some pizza up there. <laughs> Let me tell <laughs> you didn't something. say that. No, you know what he heard? He uh, heard those Terrence, Terrence, that's exactly what he said, and it was the best advice <laughs> I ever got. No, that's all. That's great. That's such a good story. Yeah, I went home to my mom. I told her that he had told me to stop playing. And I think she wanted to go down to the school and give her give him a piece of her mind and said, Mom, he's right. I stink. <laughs> that said, 53 is great. 53, he Bates just became my favorite player. Yeah. yeah. I, love it. 53? I love it. I love No one does. Tamar Bates does. That's it. He's the only guy. He's the only guy. I, I do want to have with this. We need to have this conversation about Illinois because it's they are. I don't know if there's a team that has a higher ceiling that also has a floor that could be like that, that team might win three games next year, man. Because if you look at it, right, Sky Clark, Terrence Shannon, Matthew Meyer, Coleman Hawkins, that those four guys right there, if all of them are the best version of themselves, like all four of them could end up being NBA players, right? I don't think that that's something that's crazy to say. They also, they also are four guys that are just good enough to be the best player on teams that can't win any games. And that, that it's so I, good I enough. To, my, my dad used to say this all the time. He used to say good enough to get you beat. Yes. That's 100% <laughs> what they are. So I've, if you have any idea what to expect from this, this, uh, this Illinois team, go ahead. Please, please enlighten me because I have no idea. Nah, I, I, it's kind of it's kind of crazy, but there's so much offensive versatility with that group now. Like, if you look at it, like Sky Clark has to be really good. Uh, what's the kid? Jaden Epps is a good player too. Everybody, all the Illinois faithful are like, ah, you're overlooking him. I'm like, I'm not sure I'm overlooking him because I think he's a good player. But Sky Sky Clark could be a difference maker his first year in the Big Ten, and there's not many that are in the big 10. So it, there's a lot of offensive versatility. Terrence Shannon's a good player, uh, a good, really good college player. It's just, how are you going to b- make all these pieces fit? And then one guy that guys I really liked and, and Rob, me and you watched him play at the beach jam last year. Ty Rogers is a beast. Yes, he is a beast. I thought for sure he had the makings of looking like a Michigan state player just because he is just so strong physically and everything like that. He is a really, really good player. And a guy that, 
played at Baylor, uh, another Baylor guy, Dane Danger. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started center, maybe. He was a nice, he was a really nice high school player that uh, he's from the state of Minnesota, I believe. Yes, and he then, is. He's from the and, state of Minnesota. And and he has really long arms. He's got some good skill. He reminds me a little bit of a guy named Eli Thomas that played at Clemson a few years ago. Kind of the same build, big boy. same old motor, big guys. Yeah. The problem is they don't have an alpha. It's it's I hard don't know to know if they that have though. A... It's hard it's hard to know that though, Phantom. It's hard to okay. know that right now. Well, because when I look at them, pieces. I think Terrence yeah, yeah. Shannon, when I look at Terrence right Shannon thinks he's an alpha. And that's like if Terrence Shannon can he th- Terrence Shannon thinks he is the alpha. Here's like he the problem he was the with Terrence Shannon thing. If when you're the alpha, you can't just be the alpha half the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like and, like you if you're if you're the alpha of a team, you can't part time alpha. You turn into beta real quick in everybody else's eyes, and then you're still then you have a conflict, and then like you can't be part time alpha. Go go full time alpha. Ask Fanta. He's he's yeah. newly married. <laughs> You can't yeah. be part-time alpha. You got to bring your game every night, whether it's to the court or the bedroom. Like you got to be a full-time alpha. <laughs> you know, you, you can't, you have to embrace your, you have to embrace the role. My point is you're right. And this is why projections are only projections, but you can't sit here and say that Illinois is the best team in the big 10 when they don't have the best player of Illinois or Indiana, Indiana does. Illinois, to me, is a quality team. But Terrence Shannon Jr. is part-time alpha. Matthew Mayer, his shooting percentage dropped over 8% from 2020-21 to 21-22. I'm so curious. I don't know what what to expect from Matthew Mayer. And the fact is, Kofi Coburn walks through that door, and you're going to miss him in so many ways because if for nothing else, he gravitated so much attention. So, look... There's going to be a lot on Sky Clark and Clark and Shannon. If they can coexist to make each other better, then they will be a pretty good basketball team, but we don't know how that's going to pan out. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a lot of questions there. There's also a lot of potential there. So that's, that, that might be the one you you could also see Underwood going back to his spread offense where you can pull a five. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So like now, now you can see his coaching ability. Now that he's got a more versatile group, Coleman Hawkins. I called this before last season. He was wildly inconsistent last year, but man, you can see the potential, can't you, Rob? Yeah, one hundred percent. The the guy that does our um, Illinois podcast, Dion Thomas, who's the all time leading scorer um, at Illinois, a, a legend at that program, has been talking about him for like two years, just hyping this dude up. And and it, when I'm not going to say if when Coleman Hawkins puts it all together, he's going to end up being a beast. But that that's, I mean, that's the same thing. With Matthew Meyer, that's the same thing with Terry. The, the, that's my thing about Illinois. There's going to be games where they blow people out by 30, and you're like, "Holy shit, this team's winning the national title." Mm-hmm. And there's going to be games where they lose by 30, and you're like, "Holy!" Well, that's shit. just it. This team is worse than Northwestern. <laughs> walking into this upcoming season, walking into this upcoming season may not be the worst thing in the world for this league, but let's face it: the Big Ten is not going to have the expectations that they've had the last two years. The Big Ten doesn't have a top 10 team in the country entering the 2022-23 season. They don't. They don't have a top 10 team in the country. Mm-hmm. I think, right. And I think Indiana, Michigan, and Purdue in one way or another, I think that those are probably the three teams that are best in the league heading into next year. I just feel like Indiana, he's going to have them guarding. He's going to have them guarding. And then you're going to see his versatility and his play calling that you saw in I mean, years to come prior to, me- to Kofi. 
to, to me, it comes down to for, for Indiana, it comes down to Xavier Johnson. Um, what is he mm-hmm. going to end up being mm-hmm. for Illinois? It's going to come down to whether or not there is a consistency B some kind of an alpha and C like, does that team actually come together? And then for Michigan, like, I don't think we're talking enough about Michigan. If they get Diabate oh. and Caleb Houston back, which by the way, like we're not, we, we don't know as of this recording, whether or not they're coming back like that team, Hunter Dickinson with Diabate back, Caleb Houston making shots. And they're bringing <laughs> in the kid from Princeton, um, uh, Jalen, uh, Llewellyn. Yeah. yeah Jalen thanks Llewellyn. for bringing that one up. That, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, hey, for all that went wrong for that team, for all that went wrong for that team, look what they did in the NCAA tournament. Exactly. This episode of the DTF podcast ran long, so we are breaking it up into two parts. Part two will be coming to you tomorrow.